the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And uh, as we're approaching Memorial Day, we're going to be talking about how things are going here in 2021, approaching the end of May. With us tonight is returning guest, State Representative Tom Patton. Tom, thank you, as always, for joining us. Good evening, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. Coming into Memorial Day uh, of 2021, this looks like it's going to be the first uh, holiday that we're almost back to normal, almost back to prior to 2020. Uh, how's it looking from uh, Columbus? Well, um, I think that this week in Columbus, uh, the building's back open, which means that, you know, when we get to the floors of our offices, there are security doors we have to kind of wand our badge to get in. In the prior month, they've been wide open because nobody else was allowed in the building, so they weren't worried about, you know, people that may have not been welcome showing up on different offices or floors. And for the first time, you know, they've opened up the uh, uh, hearing rooms and we have committees and now, we used to have like an overflow room next door, um, and even that was controlled by the the number of people that you know could be in at the same time. But that seems like uh, a handful of people are still wearing masks, and uh, but it just seemed like the House of Representatives was back in business normally, and so that was a uh, that was a sign. And and just you know, in talking to people about their uh, you know all of the uh, colleagues, you know, have, uh, you know, multiple Memorial Day events uh, to attend in their capacities um, as elected officials, and uh, including myself, we're looking forward, you know, to uh, a couple of events on Memorial Day, both in North Rome and Strongsville, and as we honor the the sacrifice that uh, all these folks made, but, you know, and Memorial Day is that somber holiday, but at the same token, as you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, you know, it's the first holiday, you know, really since COVID started that I think you're talking about families making plans, they're, you know, they're going to do this, they're going to get get together, and without the concern or fear that have uh, embodied all the, including Christmas and Easter, even Thanksgiving that we've had before, so I think uh, it's the unofficial kickoff to life a normal life again uh, in this in this COVID era, and so I think there's a lot of people out there very excited about. It. Yeah, I'm thinking from the people I talk to, and just the way people look when we're out in public is that there's sort of a cautious euphoria. You want to be euphoric, but not overdo it because you know it took us a whole year to nail down this business of social distancing and to wear or not to wear a mask and, and all of that, it seems that uh, we're being unshackled rather suddenly. And, boy, everybody's ready to do that, it seems. So you know, talking to the health people, 
the virus is still out there, so we we can't completely ignore it. But I think for the most part, people are ready to get back to normal. Uh, the uh, how are we doing financially? Because I know with the COVID, we had all the restaurants had uh, difficult problems. Uh, they're they're coming back now. Some of them, most of them, hopefully. Um, do we I still have state I, funding involved? You know, the state is uh, is allocating. Uh, money to restaurants and bars that have stayed open and are going to try to bring people back. There's talk about a, another federal program, and that's the only in the infancy stage that might reward people who kept their people employed, not just restaurants and bars, just anybody that kept their people employed, a $5,000 credit per employee for 2020, <clears throat> and then another $10,000 credit for 2021 and in an effort to encourage people to bring more people back. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the thing that has stifled um, some of the job uh, growth and return to normal has been the fact that um, the $300 stipend that has been given for many, many, many months now, um, you know, you do the math. It's a real simple calculation. Uh, someone who makes $15 now, and I know that's not, a lot of money, but it's six hundred dollars a week, which after taxes is approximately four hundred and eighty. Uh, and um, so that, and then if you go on unemployment when these folks are laid off, that would then go down to about two hundred eighty-five dollars versus four hundred eighty that they would make. However, with the three hundred dollars from the Fed, that brought their number take home to five eighty-five versus four hundred eighty when you worked. So you can see the reluctance of so many people. Why would I, why would I lose money, you know, and go back to work? I'm, I'm getting, and that, that one scenario obviously changes as numbers grow, but I don't think terribly so, but you know, so uh, the governor uh, has decided in the middle of June, he's no longer going to um, take the $300 federal supplement. In an, in an effort to encourage people, it's bootstrap time. You know, we got to go back to normal, sitting back at home, watching Judge Judy all day, and and you know, waiting for. Eventually, that was that's got to come to an end. You know, and people get in habits. You know, and we're habitual people by nature, and if your habit used to be get up at six thirty seven, go to work, come home, have dinner, you know, do whatever you do in the evening before you go to bed. Your whole life has changed because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, all of, all of us have. We don't see our families as much. Oh, it has. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, in an effort to, you know, so this is a challenge. But from the standpoint of the finances of the state, last May, early May, actually middle of May, uh, Governor DeWine cut $775 million from the state budget, you know, because uh, from different departments, the total across what everybody got nicked, you know, because they, June 30th is the end of the fiscal year. And I've always told people the very best part of Ohio is that we have to balance the budget. We can't have this deficit spending. We can't have this de- debt that just incurs and grows and grows. So in an effort to make sure we ended the fiscal year last June 30th, he made that cut. And when asked at that time, well, why don't you use your $2.8 billion that we've in our rainy day fund, the governor at that time, and I probably kind of probably tended to agree with him, 
So we're going to need that rainy day fund next year, you know, in its totality, expecting that we would. Surprisingly, though, you know, with people working at home, with people, you know, there was, you know, the economy just did so much better than anybody expected. You know, um, whether you want to credit, you know, Washington or credit Ohio, whoever you want to credit, all I know is that we were 85 million one month ahead of projection, 70 million one month ahead of projection. We never hit, I think, one month of February, we slightly were below projections. But the whole rest of the year, we can't above projections, you know, in the budget. The $2.8 billion rainy day fund still sits in the bank, and uh, um, which is, you know, fine. It's good. I mean, it's, people say, well, why do you let it sit there? We saw how something like this could have greatly impacted, you know, the state of Ohio. And uh, the economic turnaround we had in 2008 and nine, where we went several billion dollars in the hole in our unemployment because Ohio's unemployment fund was depleted in a relatively short period of time with that many people being laid off. And that was the debt that we pay back for five years. And at the end of the day, $320 million in interest on the money that we borrowed from the feds to pay those unemployment. So, you know, it's it's like any family. You want to have a little bit of money stuck off to the side just in case. You know, it might be as innocent as the washer break. Got to buy a new washing machine. We don't have budget for seven or eight hundred dollars, so but we have that money in the drawer for emergencies like this on a grander scale. Ohio has to do that, um, and so I actually am, am, am very bullish on the Ohio economy. I think that uh, we got word that uh, we competed with four states. Pen- Penalon, I think, as you know, is a, a major company is investing $400 million in Northwest Wild in, in Wood County, uh, and they're going to bring uh, 2,000 jobs. We competed with three very competitive states to get this, and uh, uh, it's again, it's, it's a mark that people want to come back. One of the things that happened during the, uh, during the uh, COVID was the fact that with so many people working at home, a lot of the companies are going to have to make the decision we want to bring it back to the office, or since they perform remarkably well at home, let's let them stay home. It's you know I think that and then looking forward they might say we have better you know use of office space or we don't need as much office space. You know uh, there's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to be made by individual companies. Because you know and then the other question that's come up is if for example Nick Phillips works in. Uh, let's say hypothetically you say you you work in Berea and paid into the Berea tax system, but now that you're working at home, shouldn't you be paying perhaps in another city like North Rome? And uh, uh, now some of the cities are winners and losers here. You know, a city like Strongsville is a big loser. Cleveland, of course, is a massive loser. And you try to remind people about Cleveland. Cleveland will always be the flagship. You know, you know we are suburbs of Cleveland, you know, and you might not always agree with the politics in Cleveland or the decisions that are made in Cleveland. Unfortunately, for example, somebody decided after we spent all that money on the opportunity for the non basketball there, that was just, you know, who wants to build any kind of company when you have to smell asphalt all day? 
Well, well, no, I, I could see that. Well, let me interrupt for just a moment. We're talking yeah. to State Representative Tom Patton, giving us an update on and how it is coming out of the COVID pandemic here in Ohio from the Columbus point of view. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're talking to State Representative Tom Patton, uh, reporting to us from Columbus, Ohio, as far as what's going on with state issues as we're coming out of the pandemic, finally. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us, as always. I appreciate it, Nick. You know, we we talked during the last segment uh, about some of the complications with administering government uh, during the pandemic and now coming out of the pandemic. One thing you mentioned was the fact that a lot of people were still working remotely, which meant working from their homes, which generally meant working in another city than the one they work in. And uh, I think of the issue of city income tax and how complicated that can be. For example, if uh, I start working out of my home full time, but yet my office is in Middleburg Heights. Does that mean I'm not earning anything from Middleburg Heights? I'm earning it all from North Royalton? Who gets the city income tax? Has that been addressed by the state yet? Just yesterday we passed a bill that will extend the current uh, interpretation is that even though you're working from home uh, in North Royalton, using your example, you would still pay your city income taxes to Middleburg. However, that's only going to be good to the end of the year, starting January of next year. Now, this is a bill we passed through the House, so through the Senate, and they may or may not agree with it. But if that bill passes come January 1st of 2022, you will pay the taxes where you are working at, which means then you would then pay your North Royalton tax versus paying it to Middleburg Heights while you worked at home. Now, some mm-hmm. folks that might suspect you go back and forth, they'd have to interpret that and probably split the tax, you know, depending on, well, how many days a week you go in Tuesday and Thursday, 40% of the tax will go there, 60% does not. One of the interesting things is, is uh, you know, you get a city like uh, Strongville, who has an awful lot of employees at their various businesses and malls and enterprises that they have. And they have a lot of employees that come from Columbia uh, Township, Homestead Township, and uh, those folks will truly benefit, you know, and the Strongs will truly suffer because of the fact that these people in townships don't pay any municipal income tax, uh, and so that uh, nobody gets it. You know, that's kind of the, 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 you know, from the township perspective, that's wonderful. From a city's municipality's perspective, that are providing police, fire, EMS to those businesses when they're there, um, you know, again, it's, the, the key, I think, is that mm-hmm. I've already seen I've already seen a return where people are saying, "Okay, we want you back at work now." I mean, that's starting kind of slow, but kind of quiet, but kind of steady. And more and more people that have been working at home are now back in the office. You know. I think they were pleased, and I think the economy demonstrated that that business was getting done. I mean, thank God for Zoom. Thank God for uh, 
you know, for being able to go online and, and, and connect with your office and your virtual office. One of my daughters is an attorney, and I don't she would she would go in the office about once a month, uh, but she conducted an awful lot of business. She was an employment labor lawyer, and in this particular time, employment labor and how people, companies interpreted their employment labor, they had questions galore. She was busier than she'd ever been, you know, but she could still do it and have her webinars and things like that from the comfort of her home office, the office that she has at her house. And so, you know, this pandemic has, first of all, you know, we've learned a lot from this pandemic. I think people will, 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 you know, just, you know, especially cold and flu season, you might see people wearing masks, you know, although a lot of people, the majority of people, I think, can't wait to get rid of them. You know, some of the elderly people, some of the folks may take some comfort in it. I think that people will wash their hands a lot. I think these hand stations with the hand sanitizers will probably stay out for a long time, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, I think people have kind of understood how not just the COVID, but any other kind of a virus or flu. Well, yeah, well, just just speaking from my experience, I went through the whole season without a cold, sniffles, flu, or anything. And a lot of people I know, with the masking, the distancing, the hand-washing emphasis, uh, everyone seemed to have a very mild mild year from sickness, uh, which was good. Uh, well, you know, just going back to what you were talking about concerning the working from home, uh, it, it sounds like uh, just like people who keep a, an auto log as far as their miles for their, their miles of their car, um, I guess people should start keeping a journal as to when they're working at home and when they're working in their city where their office is. They, they might have that to prove that someday. Yeah. Wonderful idea, yeah. some backup, so that when the tax man comes knocking at the door, you have something other than ask my neighbors. I'll tell you, I've heard two standards. Yeah, right. I think you know, it'd be a little, little better. I think the log might be an easy thing to do. And, uh, uh, and a, and a probably a, that's a good idea, Nick. I think that's what I would recommend people that are doing the good. work at home or possible work at home. I think they need good, to good, do good. that. Uh, another anomaly you pointed out was the uh, fact that we're opening up our economy and employers are starting to re- request, I guess, or order people back to work. Uh, I'm assuming that because of the numbers you're talking about, unemployment plus the supplement, gives them maybe more than they're earning at work, so they're not going to return to work. Uh, from what I recall in the past, unemployment uh, compensation was paid conditionally upon you going out looking for a job, and if you are offered a job, you have to take it. Uh, is that waived right now, and is it going to continue to be a problem? You know, the, the governor a couple weeks ago uh, issued something that should have probably started this week, that you had to make the three applications for, um, you know, for employment at three different places. And if you drive up and down, you know, um, industrial parks, you know, you'll see nothing but help wanted signs at the front of the front of the buildings. Everybody's looking for people, you know, restaurants are looking for people. Restaurants that want to reopen are looking for people. Um, you know, so there's no shortage of opportunities for people to get a job. It's just, and so, and I, it, it's overwhelming. You have so many folks on unemployment that are submitting these three. You know, I went to ABC Tool and Die. I went to Phil's Trucking. 
I went to O'Malley's restaurant and applied and none of them needed me. You know, somebody's got to call those companies and say, did they fill out an application? And that would be, and I think that the people that might want to game the system, and and that's truly what it is. Anytime you collect unemployment because you have no job, and yet there's a job out there, the rest of us are paying for you to stay home and watch. As I said earlier, Judge Judy or Jeopardy or whatever you're watching during the day. You know, and, uh, and, you know, it's people will always find a way to take what's their best program. And right now, and I was grateful that, you know, the people were getting that additional $300. You know, I because number one, they went out and spent it. Those stimulus checks, people went out and were buying cars. One of the reasons you how economy did so well, people got the stimulus checks and they went out and spent it. Whether it was a washer dryer, whether it was, you know, going to the casino. The casinos, if you take note, had record months. Now, maybe that might not have been the best way to spend stimulus money, you know, but people that was burning a hole in their pocket, you know. But at, at some point before we run out of time, I, I, I did want to talk to you about the governor's Vax a Million program. Vax a Million, yes. It yeah, seems to be working. Um, How is that looking to you? You know, I, I this with the real simple math people have to understand. We're still about 400 hospitalizations a week in Ohio. The average hospitalization for a COVID patient costs $240,000. Let's just call it close to a quarter of a million dollars a week. So if we have 400 of those, 10 of those would be $2.4 million. You know, 400 of them would be obviously significantly higher than that. So if the governor is given $1 million a week and one college scholarship, which let's call it $100,000, million versus if we can control that hospitalization amount, all we have to control is by 10 hospitalizations. If we get 10 fewer people that are hospitalized with COVID at $240,000 a trip visit, not even counting, this is the important thing with the governor, every single COVID death affects him. You know, he is truly, he's truly you know, taking ownership of trying to protect mm-hmm. life. And I know a lot of my colleagues think he's gone overboard. A lot of people that have been listening to the program. Well, in the last last, uh, last 20 seconds here, uh, do you think it's working? I think it's absolutely working. We had 33% increase in 16 to 21-year-old in the first week. That was a significant spike. And the spikes in all ages, all ages have gone up. Wow. Well, let's have let's have you on next Tom. Let's have you on next month to give us another update. But we're heading in the right direction. State Representative Tom Patton, thank you for thank you for joining us. Have a good Memorial Day. You too, Nick. Thanks again. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after these words. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segments of The Advocate tonight. Uh, this is a Sunday before Memorial Day, and we want everyone to remember what Memorial Day is all about. And uh, we want to talk about some people who are actually doing something about Memorial Day, and that is a group of people known as Honor Flight. 
We have their leader here in the Cleveland area, Joe Benedict, and he's joining us tonight to talk about Honor Flight and what they're doing with our veterans. Joe, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, Joe, for those who haven't heard of Honor Flight, uh, tell us a little bit about what is Honor Flight, how long has it been around, and how long have you been involved? Uh, Honor Flight is a program nationwide that started uh, 15 years ago down in Springfield, Ohio, and basically groups around the country fly veterans in groups that probably as small as 30 down up to uh, maybe a couple hundred, depending upon them where they're from, to Washington, D.C., free of charge for a day to view all their memorials. And uh, they have a guardian with them, and uh, they spend the whole day, and we come back that evening, at least the Cleveland area does. And uh, they just get mm-hmm. uh, their history. Well, we've, we've had the honor to go on honor flight with my father, who is since deceased, a World War II veteran. And uh, it, it's really quite an experience. If uh, you have anyone who is surviving from World War II, they have to be in their late 90s. Uh, yeah. And uh, Joe, Joe, when's the last uh, honor flight you took out? Well, unfortunately, we didn't go yet this year. We didn't go at all last year. So it would have been October of two years ago. Um uh, because of the pandemic, everything was shut down. Our first scheduled flight was March of last year, which was when they shut everything down. And so that group of gentlemen and ladies are waiting to go again as soon as we open up. Oh, my goodness. Do you have a date set out yet for your next trip? Well, nationally, they're going to open up August 15th. Our first trips are in uh, two of them in September and two of them in October. If we get to fly those dates, we'll announce them. And uh, how many World War II veterans are around for you guys to take out? Well, a year and a half ago, we had probably about six or seven. Now I don't know if we have any. Um, It's been such a long time. Quite honestly, we have received little, if any, new applications since uh, two years ago. So we're waiting to call them and see who's still with us, unfortunately. Well, if anyone's out there uh, with a World War II veteran who could still get around, uh, I I know when I went with uh, my father, who was about 96 at the time, and uh, he he passed away when he was 97. But uh, the the experience was terrific because, first off, I think everyone is so old and getting around Washington, D.C., even the healthiest of the mid-90-year-olds needed a wheelchair. You had wheelchairs for everybody, don't you? Yes, sir. A wheelchair for everybody, a garden for everybody, and we have a nurse with us on every flight just to uh, give any immediate aid that might be needed. Now, when you talk about a guardian, you you can talk about uh, an an adult child or a grandson or granddaughter to be the guardian. What all does the guardian do and, and what kind of what kind of arrangements do you make for the guardians? Okay, a guardian has to be 18 to 75 in any place in between there. And it can be a relative, a friend, or someone we assign if you don't have one. And the guardian will meet you at the airport at Cleveland Hopkins in the morning, be with you all day long. And if you're in a wheelchair, they will assist you in a wheelchair all day and follow you home till we get back to the airport at night. Now, this is a long day. For, for these 
old veterans here. What what time do they they start meeting up at the Hopkins Airport? Actually, it's a long day for us young veterans. Yeah, we start. <laughs> we yeah. uh, they meet at four o'clock in the morning at Cleveland Hopkins Airport, or wherever they come from. Some of them have to get up quite earlier than that, and then we normally roll in about eleven thirty at night. So it's uh, getting close to a twenty-hour day. That, that is a long day. I, I recall my, my father being all excited uh, about being there at 4 in the morning because you get yeah. to the airport and they have the USO down there, the Bob Hope USO sure. Center. Uh, but uh, also you, you end up getting some active duty military there. And, and uh, from what I recall, there were a number of them. Uh, and they right. all look like they're very, they're very young people. But yes. uh, they were really enchanted to talk to the World War II veterans. And that lifted the spirits of you yes. know, all the veterans who were there who, uh, a great start. who who really enjoyed it. That's a great start for those guys. We also get um, some uh, people from TSA to come down there to be our color guard in the morning. And just so as before we take off, we do a pledge in the national anthem. And we have a priest who unfortunately passed away this past year, Father Joe Pascura who would come down oh, every sorry. flight every flight, and say a prayer before we left. And we can't replace him, but we're going to need somebody to step in for him. But, uh, yeah, it was a great day, and uh, there was a lot of emotions that day. And you just you can't express it unless you're there to actually feel what they feel. You, you talk about a lot of emotions, and I recall a lot of tears uh, because it's just such uh, a, a wonderful sight. The uh, the veterans, I remember at the time I was on that honor flight, the, the veterans couldn't get over. They were being so recognized and so yeah. respected and so appreciated. Uh, they It was an experience they never had before in their lives, many of them. That's correct. And, they, uh, come home from the, they come home from the war with nothing but... Uh, their families, and now they're getting the recognition they deserve years later. Uh, and there were millions of them who came back from World War II. And like you yeah. say, I don't know how many are, are even left who can make the trip. But uh, I, I remember that when you talk about not just the emotions for the people participating and the active-duty people, but when you would walk through the airport, uh, like at yeah. Hopkins and this group, uh, the the passengers who are not affiliated with any of this stuff. Well, what, what kind of reaction do you get from the passengers? Well, that's probably the best part of the day, going through Hopkins and through Baltimore Airport where we land, in that uh, Baltimore has an on-flight group that meets every flight that comes through and arranges us for it to get down to our bus. And on the way down the terminal, you'll have hundreds of people that time in the morning standing out there with flags. The military's there. They're waving at him, like c- coming up and hugging him, and the ladies are kissing him, and these guys are in tears or in shock. They just stare. They really don't know what to, what to say or how to express themselves. They're just uh, emotionally at a high point. Well, uh, you know, as you're talking about, it, I can still remember what it looked like when you know, we arrived in in Baltimore mm-hmm. and. Uh, not only that, the individual respect you showed for each of the veterans was that I think they each, first off, the regular passengers got off the airplane 
and then you brought each veteran up one at a time, so they each got their own round of applause and their right. own individual recognition, which yeah, uh, yeah. which really really did it. And we've missed that for the past year and a half, so hopefully we get to do that at least a couple times yet this year before we call it another season. Well, if anyone's listening out there and they they know a veteran, a World War II veteran, uh, who's still capable of getting around at least by wheelchair, you know, consider Honor Flight. Uh, Joe, how do they contact Honor Flight? Is there a website or a phone number? Uh, there's a website that can contact me directly. Uh, my telephone number is 216-225-5841. And uh, we can get my applications. Honor Flight is uh, honorflightcleveland.com. And they can get applications off the website. So there's various ways, but uh, we'll be more than happy to take one guy at a time and get that application filled out, and off we go. Uh, outstanding. And uh, for the veterans themselves, we haven't talked about the cost. What's the cost for the veteran themselves? The cost for the veterans was paid a long time ago. So they pay nothing. Uh, the Guardian they, they, is $250. They I'm sorry. And that's, okay, that's the, the cover, just the cost. Yeah, they, everything's paid for for the veterans. The flight, the food, the transportation, all the things we hand out to them, including hats and shirts and pins and anything that we have, they get it. everybody gets one. The Guardians themselves is $250, and that includes the same thing that the veterans get but they're going to pay for their side of it. And typically, we've never had anybody balk at that. No, of course not. Well, anyway, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to uh, Joe Benedict. He's in charge of Honor Flight here for veterans here in the Cleveland area. And uh, we're going to be back to talk more about Honor Flight and what's the day like in Washington. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK. The Advocate. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Uh, we're talking to Joe Benedict from the Cleveland area Honor Flight. Uh, Honor Flight is a, a group that honors veterans and uh, at no cost to the veteran will fly them to Washington with a tour group, basically, to spend a very long day visiting memorials and uh, other things in Washington. So, Joe, as always, thank you for joining us. My honor. The uh, we we talked about uh, honor flight uh, starting at Hopkins Airport at uh, about four in the morning. I think you were using years ago when we were doing this before the pandemic using uh, Southwest Airlines. Is it still Southwest or are you using another airline? No, Southwest still. Yes, sir. So they get to fly, and their guardians get to fly in Southwest. They get into uh, BWI Baltimore Airport. Correct. And uh, they they disembark uh, to. Uh, Applause and tears, mm-hmm. and uh, they get on. They get on a bus, and where do they go from there? What time do they actually arrive in Baltimore? Uh, Baltimore, we get there somewhere around seven fifteen, something of that nature, and then we get on our bus that's waiting for us, and it takes us to uh, Washington D.C. And uh, 
sometimes our schedule there changes a little bit, but in the process of the day, we uh, hit all the memorials, which include, of course, the World War II, Korea, Vietnam, the Women's Military Memorial, and uh, we go to uh, Iwo Jima, and then we also go to Arlington to watch the changing of the guard. And in many cases at that particular location, we get to uh, have four of our veterans present a wreath at the tomb, which is, of course, a very emotional time. Very good. Very good. Well, and that sort of just plays right into what we're talking about when we talk about Memorial Day, uh, yes. the fact that the the people who didn't live to be veterans, that they they gave the the ultimate and made the ultimate sacrifice for this country to allow us to have what we have today. And I I know that that thought flows through a lot uh, during the Honor Flight Day uh, at at the memorials and at the uh, tomb of the unknown soldier. The uh, how you said you have a, a nurse on board. Has everyone been okay in surviving the? Uh, the day everybody because yeah, everybody survived we've had a couple falls over the years and uh, people became ill or dehydrated because they just don't drink the water the way we tell them to because uh, the summertime there in Washington gets very warm so we stopped flying in July and August because of the heat but uh, we've never had any kind of uh, severe catastrophe where anybody's been bad real bad now, now, how do people find out about Honor Flight so that they know that it exists? They know that it's a free trip to Washington, and it, it's a great, uh, it's a great day. How do they find out about this? And uh, well, I guess they can go to the website and so on. But what generally yeah, happens? Yeah, you go to the website. You can go to if they belong to any kind of a military venue like the VFW, American Legion, anything like that. Typically, they're all aware of it, and. Uh, Again, the website's probably the quickest because it's also going to have phone numbers on it for all of our board members, and uh, you can contact any one of them. Um, it's hard to keep applications at different locations just because uh, some people don't know to pick them up there or they run out and they don't tell us to re-stack uh, them. So, but website's probably the best. Oh, excellent. Now, it seems to be obvious that we're talking about World War II veterans that you know they're they're in their late 90s they're going to be turning 100 uh, shortly those who survive you know the rigors of life uh, but what's your next step uh, we have Korean War veterans we have Vietnam veterans uh, will will there be a time where they will be honored uh, like the World War II veterans and and be entitled to the free trip to Washington certainly that's happening now uh, obviously, our World War II vets are, have faded over the past few years, so we've been taking a lot of Korean War veterans the past probably two years of our, of our flying dates. And uh, we also have taken some Vietnam, and we have a program called our TLC, which stands for Their Last Chance. And that's for a veteran who has a disease or some terminal illness that's not going to allow him to wait for his turn, so we move them right to the head of the class. And when they apply, they'll indicate, and typically in their application, that they have whatever the situation is, and we get them on the flight right away. 
And I'm assuming. Go ahead. That's what I'm saying. As far as our present day wars, we have very, very few, maybe a handful of people who have applied for the desert storms or the Iraqi or Afghanistan wars. And I I think that's because, uh, first of all, the last thing they want to come home and do right away is talk about war, uh, as was the case with all the other past veterans, such as Vietnam, Korean, and World War II. Plus, at the present time, they do not have a memorial to go to. And I think that's a big part of their decision-making. Well, I'm sure that will change as time passes on uh, to see what, what happens with that, but I'm sure there'll be some memorials in the future. Okay. The, um, the the days, uh, you, from what I recall, you did a dinner for the veterans on the trip at a, a buffet restaurant, which was good because everyone was allowed to get as much or as little as they wanted to eat and, and choose yep. what they wanted. Uh, that, that's going to work well. With the pandemic, uh, do you guys know whether or not things will be able to work the same, uh, the, the same restaurants, the same transportation, so on? Or do you have to make more accommodations, do you think? Well, it's strange that you should bring that up because we just found out yesterday that the uh, Great American Buffet, which we would go to all the time, went out of business due to the pandemic. So now we've got to find a new place to eat. And then we always supplied a box lunch on the way home, which is not a problem. We serve that on the bus. But the meal during the day, we've got to uh, locate another business. I see. Well, uh, we're all coming out of the pandemic. It's one thing that this entire, all the generations that are alive during 2020 will remember the pandemic. Yes. And that will always be part of our history. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad things are coming back online, especially on our flight, because, as we say, life goes on and people are still aging. And uh, I don't know how many, but I know we lost probably a lot of World War II veterans during the pandemic. I am sure so, of it. My goodness. If uh, people would want to donate to the honor flight, how would they do that? Well, they could go to our website, and on that is a location to donate or if they call me, I mean, we can accept checks only um, through the mail. We don't have a credit card process um, because we don't get that many people that uh, want to use a credit card. But uh, if you contact me again at my number or go on our website and there's a place on there that tells you how to donate money, we appreciate it very much. It, we get a lot of donations to, unfortunately, gentlemen and ladies who passed away, and their family has the friends donate money to on our flight, Cleveland. Well, that, that uh, will hopefully perpetuate Honor Flight and, and what it's doing. Uh, the uh, the people who don't have any veterans who are relatives, but they'd be interested in being a guardian, and they're over mm -hmm. 18 and, and wouldn't mm -hmm. mind doing this, buying an airline ticket to go to Washington with the group. Uh, yeah. Are you always looking for those kind of people? Uh, typically, I must tell you that many people's families go with them. But we always can use somebody because there's times all of a sudden we have no guardians going on the trip, and we're going to need a dozen of them out of the 25 people we take. 
So I don't discourage anybody from applying. And again, that is on our website. There's a guardian application as well as a veteran application. And if you get that out, fill it in, we will certainly contact you. And if you have any particular reasons or a certain timing that you need to go, indicate that on the application. Well, one of the most hard-rendering things are the veterans out there who have no family. And yes. they're certainly invited to come along, and you can match them up with a guardian. And they're yes. in for a real treat. Well, that, that sounds wonderful. Well, anyway, I'd like to thank Joe Benedict and the Honor Flight people for taking care of our veterans and uh, wishing everyone a very uh, well, enjoyable and memorable Memorial Day for this year. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Nick, thank you very much for the opportunity. Have a great day. You, you got it. You too. And thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, safe, and healthy week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind